this is Vanessa. And this is Yuki Lynn. And you're listening to Two Moms Don't Make a Right. Well, we actually um, changed the name to Two Moms Don't, don't Make, make it, it Right. That's right. I don't know if you've seen um, Parks and Recreation, the best show ever, but Andy Dreyer was always changing the name of his band. First it was like Mouse Rat, and then it was something else, but every time they had a show, they would change the name of their band. Um, well, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> I don't think we're going to do that. We're not going to do that for our IG purposes and our email purposes. FYI, we did update both. So if you did want to email us, make sure you email us at two, the number moms don't make it right at gmail.com. Dot com. Yes. Yeah. So two moms don't make it right. If you're searching. Just felt like it sounded better. It flowed better. It flowed better. Yeah. So there you go. That was our first show. Yeah. And, um. So, Vanessa. Yes, Yuki. Also, I heard that I say M too much, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if I say M a lot, sorry. So, Vanessa, what's in your cup? Well, since we're midday today, you got me with my midday drink. And that is a 99 cent Arizona energy, which to be honest, I don't think really even gives me energy anymore. I think <laughs> I just like the flavor of it and the fact that I think it gives me energy, but it really doesn't. What's in your cup? Um... See, I said I'm again. Shoot. My cup, I have um, black coffee from the French press because it tastes better and maple syrup because maple syrup is a superfood and anti-inflammatory and it's honestly way sweeter than honey or sugar. And I think it gives you a little bit of energy too. So, um, it's, it's, well, what, what does black coffee give you? Cause I think that would give me like, it does, but if it's like the black energy. coffee is so strong in the French press so I so like, what's French press? So you put um, like coffee grounds in a in a French press. Okay. And then you boil water, and then you pour the water in the coffee grounds, and then you let it steep for like ten to fifteen minutes. Some people do five. You got to do at least ten, especially when you have kids. You have to do like fifteen for sure. Okay. So then then you press it. So this is like a a type of way of making coffee. Yes. Oh, see, this is for the people that don't know that, like myself. Like, I was like, well, okay, French press. I don't get it's that. All, but, it's the best you know, way. It sounds fancy. Our coffee pot broke, and we had a French press, so we used it. And then I was like, oh. So much better. I don't ever want to use a coffee pot again. I probably will. But for now, until I get sick of the French press, which I've been using it for like two years. Oh, so I don't think you have any plans to get a coffee no, pot, to be honest. I don't think so. Well, you know, Mother's Day's around the corner. Maybe I'll get you a coffee pot. Yeah, maybe I'll use it. <laughs> now I know. You've <laughs> went two years without it, though. But I, yeah, yeah, so it works. Um, So, yeah. So, Yuki, so we have a guest today? We have a guest, and it is hard to segue. <laughs> but um, just some quick facts. Um, I know we talked about our birth stories last time, and it was um, fairly easy for both of us to get pregnant mm-hmm. um for me i i never it was had a little any... too easy for me uh-huh <laughs> it happened a little too I, fast i never had any oopsies you know i had to i had to try whatever. i try to tell my kids they're not oopsies but we well both know that they both are. it's a surprise it's a Sup- fun surprise right mm, we'll call them blessings blessings okay yeah. so it's 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 fun it is it's what good. it is it's good but we are very lucky and blessed to yes. have that and uh, but because one in eight couples suffer through infertility and sometimes it has to do with something going on with the women sometimes with the man and it's very painful and it's, it's an hard, emotional thing That's, hard to say the right thing and right. um we vanessa yes we have um a friend of ours that we were blessed to meet um about a year and a half ago we met her she came from 
Tennessee with our other best friend, Alicia. Uh, Her name is Bobby. And she let us know about her story, um, about her challenges and and trying to conceive um a child the story is very beautiful touching and um we can't wait for her to share it with us so hi bobby hi yuki lynn and vanessa okay bobby um you're excited to talk to us um we're excited to talk to you we love your story about motherhood and how you became a mom. So we're just going to ask you some questions and um, just say whatever you want. Okay. Okay. So first question, how old were you when you became a mom? 36. You were 36. Um, that's yeah, close to, I, I was 34 and then 34, I, okay. and then I just had a baby at 36. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And how many kids do you have? I have one, one daughter. And she's really beautiful. Her name's, can I say her name? Yeah. It's Lucy. It's really cute. <laughs> she's cute. Um, and uh, what is your marital status? I am married. And how, <laughs> you're like, I'm married. <laughs> and how long have you been married for? Gosh, this is really sad that I'm having to sit here and think about. I think almost eight years. Almost eight years. Yeah. Wow. That's like longer than most marriages. Well, you know, these days, you know, early on, we felt like, oh, we've only been married two years or we've only been married three years. It it feels so much longer than that because we dated a really long time, like well, off and on before that. And so it finally like at the almost eight year mark, we're like, okay, that sounds kind of long. It like, you know, it's like before it just seems like we should have been married longer, but yeah, it's pretty long, I guess. I know it, it, it's it, after a few years, it just feels like you've known them forever. Mm-hmm. They, um, oh, I should mention if you hear Bobby's cute little accent, she is not from California. Do you want to tell everyone where you're from? I am from Tennessee, but I currently live in Louisville, Kentucky. And, you know, I kind of thought this might be an issue. <laughs> no, it's not an issue. It's good. It's good. I bet the people listening to this are going to think I sound so country. I hope Southern, not country. You know, Southern's just a little better. No, it's so cute. You're not intelligent, you know? No, no, it's so cute. It's like, it's exotic. If, <laughs> if you're in California, if someone... If someone has an accent and you're in California, you're like, ooh, that's exotic. That's cool. How adorable. That's funny. It's adorable. I've never, I've never seen myself as exotic. I always wanted to be one of those mysterious girls, and I just can't because I'm I'm too much of an open book. That's good. That's good. So are we. That's that's why that's why we want to talk to you. Um, so how did you become a parent? And be feel free to tell us the whole story. Sparing no details. Okay. Oh, gosh. It's kind of lengthy. Um, Well, I became a parent through in vitro, um, but that was, it took a a while to get there. Like, I have stage 4 endometriosis, and so I've known my whole adulthood that it might be difficult for me um, to have children. But it's kind of like in the back of my mind, I, I didn't really worry about it because I thought, oh, it's fine. I didn't really take it that serious, honestly. Um, and because all the women in my family 
Um, they all, you know, got pregnant very easily and had multiple children. And I was the first person in my family to, to struggle with infertility. And so I just didn't, I wasn't kind of, it's like I was prepared for it, but I wasn't all at the same time. But, um, so, but because of that, I knew that when I married Nathan, I was 29 at the time and he was two years older than me. And so not that that's old, but you know, it's not super young. And in the South, especially it's like, if you are first off, the fact that like I was almost 30 and not married was, I felt like really, I don't know, you just feel really old because everyone's married younger in the South, it seems, or you feel the pressure to do that. And so to finally be married, but then, you know, everyone asks you about kids because that's another thing in the South is just people start having kids younger. Um, Luckily, we lived in Louisville, which, you know, people think is is Southern, but it's, it's really not like Kentucky. Um is but Louisville is it's different and so I didn't feel as much pressure here um to hurry up and have kids but because I knew about my condition uh, Nathan and I started um started trying I guess like six months to a year after we got married um and then so after about a year of us trying we um our, my OBGYN had suggested that we go to a fertility specialist. And so that kind of started this whole journey. And we went to four different um, doctors and really heard different things at, at all the ones that we went to. And this was a span of about six years um, before I actually got pregnant. So I had done um, a series of like IUIs, like um, intrauterine insemination. Um, I did about, oh gosh, I don't even know, maybe seven or eight of those. And because they were cheaper than doing IVF and it just seemed like a first step. And then um, if I could get pregnant that way, then we didn't need to spend like the thousands and thousands of dollars that it would cost to do, to do IVF. And, and so also through that process, I had a couple surgeries. It seemed to always be some type of, of hiccup. I, I've had three, um, different surgeries, uh, because of my condition. And every time I have one of those surgeries, it, it takes my time for my body to heal, but also my, my egg reserve becomes a little less and less each time. And so, and it already wasn't, wasn't very much. Um, and so over the course of those six years, um, like, like I said, we did those IUIs and had a couple surgeries and then, um, I did end up resorting to in vitro and then we started the process, you know, which is several weeks of, daily medication shots and and driving back and forth to Cincinnati because the doctor that I originally went to um, was not here in Louisville. He was recommended through some friends. And so um, Nathan was in, was working full time and going to grad school. So I spent a lot of time driving to Cincinnati by myself because I don't know if you've never been to a fertility 
clinic, so I guess you probably wouldn't know, but um, you go in there a lot, and, like, sometimes it's, like, every other day, because they're they're checking things, they're drawing blood, you know, they're just tracking everything, and so um, it was a lot of back and forth, which was just, it was hard on me on a lot of different levels, you know, um, and so we started that in vitro process, and I had already taken all the medicine, I was going to all those appointments, and then um, right before I thought I was going to have an egg retrieval, um, I went in and they said, oh, you know, you prematurely ovulated, um, so we won't even get to finish the process. And so I was, like, completely devastated because, one, like, I'm a teacher. My husband at the time was a social worker, and so we don't have jobs where we make a ton of money. You know, So it's like uh, paying for all of these treatments was, was a real like burden for us and that's why doing in vitro was a gamble because we're like you're not guaranteed anything you know it's like you're spending all this money and it's worth it if you get something in the end but if you don't then it's like you're dealing with the heartache and you're dealing with the financial side of things that can be really stressful and so I was really devastated by that and so it made me kind of take a step back and I was like I can't do it again I can't do it again and the doctor at the time said that it was likely to happen again um if I tried to do in vitro so I took a little bit of a break but then um I also felt like when I talked to other people about it they were like that shouldn't have happened your doctor should have prevented that from happening you know they should have been tracking there so then I I thought okay well maybe I should see someone else and so I saw someone else and they pretty much told me that um, there was no way that I could get pregnant on my own with my own eggs because I just didn't have enough. I just, it was so, like my levels were so low that um, I would need an egg donor. And so, um, or we could, um, you can, this sounds so crazy that you can like adopt an embryo <laughs> from someone else. That's cool. And and so, yeah, there are a lot more options than I ever knew that there were, you know. And, like, I didn't know anyone um, that really did this. And in my mind, I kind of worried if people that people were going to judge us. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just it's silly, you know. But it's just all of those options. And, like, when they first told me, like, egg donor, I was like, oh, no, I could never do that. Like, I could never do that. That sounds crazy. But you have, Euclid, you have sisters. Um, and so you'll probably be able to relate to this. It's like, it went from, like, one of those ideas where, like, that's so crazy. I could never do that. I would never do that. To then I became kind of desperate, you know, because I had tried all these things and nothing was working. And I was like, okay, it doesn't sound so crazy anymore. And then I have two sisters that were both um, willing to – give me their eggs um and so then I found myself in a position of just like okay should I do that and my husband was really like hesitant about it you know because we could have done an unknown donor too um which I thought was interesting you know uh that I could they said I could look through a book and try to find someone like you only see the baby pictures you don't see them as an adult but I could find someone that looks similar to me um for when I was a baby and then um so my husband would still be the father but then we'd have the the unknown egg donor or if I did a known donor which in my case you know um 
my sisters were an option for me. And so that was something that we discussed for a while and we had actually decided to move forward with one of my sisters being an egg donor. And, um, I don't know, like we just all of a sudden started feeling like a little uneasy about it. And we were just praying a lot about it. We didn't know like, what's the right thing to do. And then like, I personally was just like, I wanted it so badly, you know, that even though Nathan had reservations, I just, I just wanted it, you know? And I thought like, if it's my sister, at least it would still be a part of me. You know, it has some of my genetics. It could still look like me, you know, because like I have nieces and um, two of my nieces look a lot like me. So I thought, Hey, you never know, you know, and then you're not like, um, I don't know. I feel like people are like, uh, looking at the kid and wondering, you know, um, I don't know. I just felt like there was like a piece of me, but I just really pray that if that was not the right route for us to go, that, um, that a clear sign, you know, (laughs) would, would come in, um, I didn't really think that it would, but it did. It came in a major way. <laughs> and that's something I don't want to get into. Yeah, no, you don't have to. <laughs> but it became like very clear, like this is not like we're not supposed to do that. And so then I was like super depressed because I thought, okay, I've been told that I can't do it on my own, but then I don't really feel like I'm supposed to do it this way. And so like, what are my options, you know? And so we just decided to, to just give up on it and we were going to move forward with adoption. Um, once we felt ready and it was just like more time passed and just never really, I don't know. We just never could be committed enough to it to like move forward. And my husband works, um, with kids in foster care. And so we had known like whether we had kids biologically or not that, um, that we would foster to adopt at some point, you know? Um, so that was kind of like what our like plan B was, I guess you could say. Um, but then I went to, that's kind of like, this is really crazy story. So I ended up having all of this, this like pain. And so I went to a doctor and she said, um, that I should probably have, if she was me, she would have a full hysterectomy. And so at this point, you know, I was like 35 years old and which is really young <laughs> to go through something yeah. like that, you know? And I guess like in the back of my mind, I thought, well, maybe, maybe there's still a chance as long as I still had everything, you know, I was like, there's a chance. And I was like, if I have a hysterectomy, then there's no chance, you know? Um, and so that really like took me off guard. So was this like at the third doctor you've been to on this subject or so this is like your so this is like a third opinion now yeah yes so this was a this was a third opinion actually yes 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 this was the third opinion and so um I have a friend that is a gynecologist and she was just like um well her husband is and so she was like I really think you need to talk to my to my husband about this and so I thought okay which is kind of an awkward thing to talk to like a man about, <laughs> you know, that's like my husband's friend and like, I, I know him, you know, but, um, but anyways, he just told me, he's like, Bobby, he's like, I just think you need to be really ready for that. There's a lot of things that go along with that, especially on the emotional side of things. And so unless you're experiencing like daily pain, um, or you have cancer, he was just like, I think that you should 
weight on it. He's like, but it, of course it's your decision, you know. But just hearing him say that, because like with endometriosis, you do have, you know, a lot of pain associated with it. But I felt like it was manageable at that point. And he said, you know, wait. And if it gets to a point where it's not manageable, then you can revisit it. And so, I don't know. It's like when a doctor tells you something, you think like, okay, then that's what I must do, you know? And so yeah. when the doctor told me that, I felt like, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. So talking to him and, you know, who's a doctor, but also a friend and, you know, cares about me and just my emotional well-being and, and cares about my husband, I thought like, okay, that makes me feel better. And he said, he's like, I really think you need to go to see this one, which this was just a, you know, OBGYN, that you need to go see my friend. Um, and she, she will just be really honest with you and, um, and kind of tell you what she thinks. And he was like, so you're not getting just my opinion, but you're getting a, another person's opinion on this specific matter, you know? So I thought, oh my gosh, I was like, I really, I just didn't want to go to any more doctors. Um, but the next thing I know, I didn't even call and make an appointment with this doctor, and I wasn't going to, but that doctor's office called me to schedule an appointment, so I was like, okay, so I felt like my friend called in this favor, I was like, I have to at least go to this doctor, um, and so I went to see her, and when I went to see her, she pretty much told me the exact same thing that he said, you know, like, it needs to be in your own timing, blah, 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 but then she also said, she's like, I just don't know if you should give up on having a kid she's like I don't know if I'm convinced that this is impossible so this is your like fifth opinion now someone's finally giving you hope yes so and she, she's just an OBGYN not just but you know she's not a fertility specialist and so I'm still not even taking her that serious though it's like I really liked her but I thought like well she doesn't know all my history she hasn't seen all my surgeries she hasn't seen you know all of that and so and then, she, but she said, she's like, okay, I have this friend. She is brilliant. She's a genius. She just started working in Louisville. Um, she's a fertility specialist. And so she's like, I know you don't want to hear one more person to go see. She was just like, but I really think you should see her. And she was just like, how would you give me permission to just send all your files to her and just get her opinion? And that way she can just tell me like, hey, like, yeah, this is not going to happen for this girl, or I think there's still a chance. She's like, it's not going to hurt. She's like, you don't even have to go to her. Like, if she, I just want to send your files, and I will talk to her personally. And so I was just like, okay, fine. You know, I didn't really have anything to lose, um, but I definitely didn't, like, get excited. You know, in my mind, I was just like, this is not really an option. I'm just going with it. Oh, then next thing I know, that doctor's office called me to schedule an appointment. I'm like, that never happened. You know, like, have you ever had a doctor's office call you no. to schedule the appointment? No. No, they don't do that. That's crazy. And so they called me and uh, asking, you know, when I would like to come in. So then I was like, well, I guess I'm coming in, you know. And um, so I go in and, guys, this doctor is just like – like, even when I talk about her, like, I get so excited. Like, I get the warm and fuzzies because I just love her so much. And, like, even if it hadn't worked for me, I still would feel this way about her because it was, like, the first doctor that, like, like specialist that I went into, and she was just so sensitive and just gave me 
gave me hope. And I still kind of thought she was crazy at first. <laughs> and so, but my husband, like right away, he was like, yes. He's like, I feel good about her. Like he had just like complete confidence. And like the other doctors, when I would tell them like, Hey, this is our budget or we can only afford to do this one time or whatever. It's like, they never really listen to us. It's like, I guess they're dealing with a lot of clients that can afford to do it multiple times, but we weren't those people. And so that always bothered me um, that they didn't really respect that. And so, because they would always say, well, next time, oh, it didn't work this time, but next time. And in our mind, we're just like, gosh, like we can't afford it next time. And so when I talked to her and like explain, cause she said, I think that, I think that you would be a candidate for IVF and I don't think you would need a donor. I think I can do this. I think we could, she's like, all it takes is one egg, you know? And so, um, we had decided that we were going to like move forward and, and do it, you know, cause she just, she gave Nathan a lot of hope. I was still like really skeptical about this, the whole thing. And she just said, she would always like reiterate, I know that this is, you guys can only afford to do this one time. So I want to make sure that when we do it, it is the best time and that I'm doing everything possible to like make this successful. And I just believed her. It's like there were months and months where it's like, I thought, okay, we're going to start it this month, but they would do an ultrasound and things didn't look right. And so she'd be like, I'm so sorry, but we're going to have to wait another month. So that went on probably for like eight months of like every month being kind of like shot down because it wasn't like the right month, you know, just the conditions weren't looking well. And so I'm taking medicine all of this time. So then I'm super hormonal, you know, and, um, anyway, so that was like super stressful, but then she ended up like, she doesn't really even know us, but she we went to meet with the financial people and they're like, Oh, um, you've been given the friends and family discount. Of she's taking, I think it was like 30 or 40% off the total cost. And we were just like, Oh my gosh. Like we, I mean, that's thousands of dollars. Wow. Thousands of dollars. And so we just like sobbed and sobbed and sobbed because we were just like, Oh my gosh. Like, okay, maybe we are supposed to do this. I'm making the story so long. Oh, no. It's okay. I mean, so. I promise. <laughs> um, do you want me to stop and take a break? Oh, no. Keep going. Okay. So, um, anyway, all that to say, we end up doing it. Well, you know, we do the egg retrieval. And so, they like to get between, like, 10 and 15 eggs. They retrieve three. Three from me. And, um. But really, that's what I'd been praying for. That I was like, if I could just get three, three good eggs, three good eggs. So while that sounded like discouraging news, to me, I was just like, that's exactly what I wanted. If I can get three eggs, you know, I'd be happy with that. And so, um, you know, there's a whole, like, wait time where, um, to see if they're going to fertilize and all that. And so they call every two days. And so it's like the first time they called, like two days later, it's like everything was looking good. And then they called the next two days, and then it was like not looking so good that there was only one that was progressing. And so then we're like, oh, my gosh, but there's still the one. There's still the one, you know. So we were just holding out for that. And then um, on day six is when they were supposed to, to call us to let us know, did it like fully develop? And um, 
it's like they didn't call at the time that they said they were going to call. So we just were like, this is not good. This is not good, you know. And it turned out it wasn't good. And so, like, they, the embryologist called in. He, um, you know, told us that um, the placenta had not developed uh, properly and that uh, the chances of it actually, like, implanting in me getting pregnant with were very, very slim, and that typically in cases like this that he tells the couple to just basically discard it and then just try again. And he goes, but I know, he's like, Dr. Jess, oh, I just her name. Uh, he's like, I guess it doesn't matter. Anyway, so the doctor, <laughs> the doctor said that, um, that this is the only time that you guys can do this. And he's like, so I don't know if, if you want to try again or not. And I said, no, this is it for us, you know? So I got off the phone with him and I felt like that was it. This is over. You know, like this whole process is over. It didn't work. And so for, um, about a month, we just like really mourned it. Like, as we thought that once again, like it failed and, um, but we still had the option to, I mean, we told them to keep it that um, we wanted to still implant it just because I felt like, because the other time I did IVF, I didn't get to finish the process, you know? And so I wanted to at least feel like I finished the process, even if I knew that it wasn't going to work and that there it wasn't going to be the end result that I wanted, I still, I don't know. I don't know, this feeling of just like, I completed it, it's done, it's over, and I can close this chapter of my life, and I can move forward with something else, you know, and, um, but still having absolutely no faith that it would work, and so we went, we ended up having it implanted, and so, you know, they were supposed to call us, um, and let us know at a certain point, like, whether I was pregnant or not, like, we were not even, like, we honestly didn't even think about it during that like wait time because we were so convinced we had already told our entire families that it wasn't an option. Like it wasn't going to work. And so when we got the call that day, which once again, they called like really late. And so I was just like, well, that's any ounce of me that thought maybe a miracle could happen. You know, I thought was gone. And so when they called and, you know, I put her on speakerphone and she told Nathan and I that I was pregnant. Um, like, we didn't even really react. Like, we were both in, like, such shock. We just kind of sat there. Like, we laugh about it because we're like, she probably thought we were not excited at all because our reaction was so, like, uh, what? And then when we called, we called our parents, like, immediately. And, like, my parents didn't believe me. <laughs> like, they thought that I was, they're like, you're playing a joke on us. And I was like, that would be the worst joke ever. And I was like, I would not joke about that. But, um. Anyway, so then I was, you actually, you know, I went to California right after that, and I met you guys, and the whole reason I planned that trip with Alicia uh, to come to California was because we knew that I was going to be sad because it wasn't going to work, and I needed a trip to cheer me up, and so it's just was so funny that, like, I still ended up going, you know, but it was more of a celebratory thing that you guys know when I was there that I still like had a lot of fear and a ton of anxiety because I just thought it's still too good to be true. Like it's not going to work out. Like I just knew that it wasn't going to. And so, but it did, it did, it worked out. It did. And so how many years was that? About six years. 
And was it worth it? Oh my gosh, so worth it. But you know what? It's like, even though I'm on the other side of things where like it worked for me and I have this baby, I still feel like I'm the girl it didn't work for. Does that make sense? Kind of. It's because it was, it was probably part of your identity for so long. Well, yeah, and there's still this, like, sadness to it. Like, I don't know. It's a weird – and guilt. I think guilt is what it is. It's just, like, because I know, like, how painful it is to be in that position, it's like – like, I would hear stories or people would tell tell you stories all the time, like, oh, well, so-and-so was told she would never have a baby, and then guess what? She got pregnant, or she adopted, and right after she adopted, she got pregnant. Like, I would hear these stories, and people would tell me, thinking that it was going to be encouraging to me, but it was the opposite for me. Like, it made me, like, super sad, because I thought, well, that's awesome, and you're hearing that story because they're talking about it, but what about all of those girls that that doesn't happen to no one's telling their story because they're not talking about it because they're too heartbroken to talk about it, you know? And so like, in my mind, I was just like, I'm going to, I'm not going to have that story. So that is not encouraging to me. So even now, like being on this side of things, it's just like, I'm like hesitant to, um, like, like if someone else is struggling with this to be like, yeah, but look at me, you know? Yeah. Well, you're just sensitive, you know, you know what to, you know how it feels. Like, I think I pretty much always say the wrong thing. Oh, no. I, I'm always like, uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't, I'm not one of those people that have the right words and say the right thing. I'm like, uh, you know, like, so it's good. It's good. I told my husband, like, right before, you know, you know, this whole thing, I was telling him, I was like, I'm so excited to talk to um, Teagland and Vanessa because, you know, it's like I knew you guys really a couple of days. Like, that's it. But I, I told him I was just like, you're just real, like, authentic people and, like, sensitive. You know how sometimes you meet people and you do just feel like they're in tune to your emotions? Yeah. So it's like that was kind of like a fragile time in my, my life. And here I was meeting you guys and staying at your house when I barely knew you. But, like, I did not feel that way. Like, I really felt like I was, like, meant to meet you guys and talk to you during that time. And so I have a hard time believing you say the wrong things because I felt like you said a lot of right things. Oh, you were just yeah. really cool. You, it was just – it was it was a fun – it was a fun time. And, um, yeah, it was, like – I don't know if it's kind of weird, but it was like, we felt like special to be a part of that with you. Even, uh, you know what I mean? I don't know if that yeah. makes any sense, but well, I feel like you guys will always be like, like the small little part of that story because it was such a, like, I felt like it was this like secret that like I had that none of my, like, like none of my close friends knew, but you guys knew and you didn't even know. Me. I know. I know. We'd met you like briefly at a wedding. <laughs> they, um, so what do you, is there anything you want to say to anybody struggling or not struggling oh my gosh I guess like one thing is that um yeah like the sensitivity side of things it's like I know it's really hard like to know um what to say and so I always think like because I've even had friends say well then what do you say and and I've thought about that like what would I have wanted someone to say to to me and and I think about like there were a couple of people that I felt like did like do it right. And the one thing they had in common is that they all like, first off, they listened to me, uh, but they didn't like, 
try to like tell me like stories of like success stories of people they just acknowledge that it was hard like they would say like that is really really hard and I am like so sorry and I am going to be hopeful for you in a time when you don't have hope you know and so to me like if I'm talking to someone like going through that that's I think what I would say that that's cool this looks really bad and you may not get the outcome that you want but you'll still be okay you know and that's the thing like I had come to the place where like even though I really wanted to have biological children like I knew that like once I adopted and I met that child like I would look at that child and I would know like oh my gosh this is why it didn't work out you know like this is why I did because if it had, I, I wouldn't have you, you know, I wouldn't have like, I just believed that there was like, um, you know, there's a, there's a big plan and, uh, mine ended up unfolding in a way that like I had hoped that it would, you know, but I knew that if it didn't, that like there would be another plan and a much greater plan, you know, I love it. I couldn't really like uh, fathom, you know, but, but yeah, I guess that's what I would say. That's beautiful. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you for sharing your personal, real, beautiful story. Thank you. I feel like I just like rambled on way too much. So I'm sorry, all of you listening. You're like, God, get to the point. No, they heard our first episode and it was us rambling a lot. (laughs) And they listened to the whole thing. One more thing that makes it more amazing is that I, you know, we owe like this certain amount of money for in vitro and like right after I did it I found out that I was like inheriting money from um a relative that had passed away actually a relative like I hadn't like seen in years it wasn't a close relative and it was for the exact amount that we owed like for fertility treatments oh my gosh that's like that's like a book that's crazy yeah that's like a fake story but it's real I know. Anyways, I felt like I had to put that in there because it was just like, for us, it was just a huge thing. You know, like you worry about these things. And so, so yeah, if you're one of those people and you think like, I can't afford to do this and I don't want you to like get yourself into like a bad financial situation, but like, I just feel like, you know, I am someone like, um, like a faith. Like I believe that like God is like sovereign and it's kind of over these things. And so like, I felt like I personally felt like he provided that for us. And so that was like, oh, I have this baby and I don't have the stress of this debt and life is not perfect. I don't want to say that, but like, those were two like things that I'm just like, ah, oh, like I'm just so thankful for still to this day. I'm just thankful for every, every bit of it. And I'm thankful that, that you're talking to me right now. On the- oh, this. I'm so thankful. We are so thankful. Vanessa and I are so thankful that you shared with us. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thank you, Bobby. Tune in next time when we'll interview a really cool mom or dad Mm -hmm. who has a different experience than us, and we're really excited to share all this time with you guys. Talk to you guys later. All right. See you later. Have a good day.